Well, hey, how's it going? How's it going, Tad? <laughs> Tad is recovering from the loss. Was it? Does it hit down here? Where? Right here in your heart. In my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it sounded like you had to smoke a couple packs of cigarettes to get over it. Uh. <laughs> all i can say now <laughs> i've been trying to get up from this couch for a while well if you're if you're anywhere half as tired as medvedev is you might not move forever i'm never gonna move again pass me those oreos and that candy i'm gonna sit here and eat candy <laughs> until i die <laughs> does this mean i'm now the errand boy yeah you have to stay around and get me stuff do i have get to get me also- a beer <laughs> I have to drive to Wegmans and get you multiple packs of Oreos now. You don't have to go to Wegmans. There's closer places. Is there? Yeah. You could go down to the corner store and get me some Oreos there. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oreos. And when you go them. to the corner store to get me some Oreos, pick up a pack of smokes too and get me some weed because I'm going to live here now on this couch forever and <laughs> there's no point to anything anymore. <laughs> that was That took a very dark turn. Yeah, I know. Are you going to be glued to that So did that the spot? world. Are you going to change Rafa positions? When won again. <laughs> Took a dark turn. There was a chance that we could move on from this, you know, like... Big three. 20 years of, like, stagnation in this stupid sport that's totally <laughs> meaningless and pointless. But look what happened. Not yet. Not yet. Another decade. Another of, decade. Another decades of Rafa and Roger. And While we're at it, why not just another two I just decades. read the worst news I've read in my entire life. What today. was it? They did this this like anti-aging trial test. Yeah. On, like, they only had like nine test subjects, but there was a human test. Mm-hmm. And it, they were successfully able to reverse people's biological age. Really? Yeah, for the first time ever. So they took this drug course over the course of a year and the re- with people ranging nine people ranging from ages age 40 to age 60 and okay. it reversed the age of the oldest people it was a it was a um a growth hormone mm-hmm. combined with some kinds of like two different types of diabetes medication which is surprising and it was able to release their re- reverse their age by like 1.5 years over the course of a year so after it aged a year, it would add to 2.5 years. Wow. That's horrible, horrible news. So now, let's just say Rafa and Novak and Fed all take a year off. And, maybe and two they come back a year younger. and a half younger. They come back <laughs> maybe two years younger. Ah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's horrible. And they just take turns passing off the slams the to The world each other. is a horrible, horrible place. <laughs> we might be living in... Tad's worst dream. It's his worst nightmare. Now. It's going to be perpetual. Just They're never this... going to lose again. <laughs> this infinite cycle. They're just trading it back and forth. And you thought it was almost over. I thought it was going to be over. This was the last chance we had. This was the last stand. <laughs> Danil, oh, we put, I put all my hopes in <laughs> Well. This is so much worse than the French Open. <laughs> <laughs> this is worse? Why? Because we were so close? He was so close. He was really close. He was so close. He was amazing. Danil's just like incredible and he's a hero because he got so close, but he's also, you know, a the worst person ever. He just like tears your heart out of you and then stomps on it. 
Oh, he stomped on it all over it, <laughs> left it in the dirt. And then just goes up there on stage and he's a super nice guy and he does a great speech. One of the best loser speeches ever. And then, but you, and then he reminds you at the end that he's the loser and you're like, ah, and he backtracked on his earlier antics. He didn't really backtrack on him. <laughs> he was, he, he turned, he turned it. He, he kept pivoted. on doing this thing and pivoted. he's such a great politician. Yeah. He's really good at that. He's studied international relations at the Moscow university. University he's gonna Moscow. did he really he did yeah for a very short period of time before he uh well which is also that's also what i studied with a russian professor oh that's if why he's anywhere near as talented as he is in tennis he might have just picked it all up and i think that you can really tell that he he understands how to interact with crowds probably better than any other player that i mean i think i've ever watched ever he does handle the it just it doesn't really seem to bother him that much. The booing doesn't bother him. The yeah. cheering, I mean, it it's not even that it doesn't bother him. He just like sort of I think he's act he's way better and this might be controversial to some people, but I think he's way better with the crowd even than Novak is now. Mm. And Novak's been a pro for, you know, 75 years now. Danil's <laughs> only been a pro for like 5 years. Yeah. And he's better at interacting with the crowd than Novak is. Yeah. Novak's going to get more practice though with this anti-aging. Well, he's going to obviously he's And now he can practice, look at He's had a lot of time already. Yeah. Well, he can look at Danil's tips now. He can look at the way that every player should sort of, I mean, not everyone can pull it off. That's yeah. the problem. Not a lot of people can go out there and and have that kind of attitude mm-hmm. and do the kinds of things that he did and then just like switch it and turn around and have people cheering for you. The same people who you flipped off yeah. five, uh, a week before. Yeah. You've talked about this to me before, is that Novak kind of does this thing to the crowd over the course of a tournament where he kind of gets them on his side. Novak doesn't. I don't know if I've said that about Novak so much. Um, well, Danil really did it this turn. Danil did a, a, yeah. an amazing job at at but. turning the turning the crowd onto his side. But they were still. I mean, at the in at the end, and he 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 said in his in his post in in the post match interview that he he was working off of their energy, you know, yeah. and the, you basically just played for them. And you can mm-hmm. kind of feel it with Danil more than a lot of other players. He really is because of the way he celebrates. He's kind of like a crowd vessel. You know, he just plays for the, for he plays if the crowd wants him to play, but he also plays if they don't want, he also plays well if they don't want yeah. him to play, you know, <laughs> if they want him to lose, he's got two modes. He, he can and both modes on. are good for him. Both are great. <laughs> He's just an incre- incredible player. I I really think that if he was more fit, he would have he would have won, and he probably would yeah. have won in four. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really fair to say now, but he he was like uh, he was torn up by the end physically, and he still went out and pushed Rafa to yeah. five sets and almost broke in in the last. He the almost game. so almost one thing, broke in the eleventh yeah. game. You know, one thing that'll go down that people probably won't remember as they remember this is Rafa's 19th slam is they'll look at the scoreline and say, yeah, Danil was pretty close. Like it went to five. That's a close match. You know, like everyone looks at those five set, three set matches, whatever, and says, oh yeah, that's a really close match. But he was really, really, we're talking super fucking close. He saved three championship points. Three championship points and he almost came back. And he had break points. Yep. He almost he was he was literally right there to making that fifth set comeback. Yeah, to getting right back in it. Rafa started. It was weird. Rafa definitely started choking a little bit too. 
He he started to seem like shaken by the moment. I think that I think that he he thought he was injured. Rafa thought that he was injured. Not mm-hmm. Rafa thought Danil was. Rafa thought that he himself, he himself was. was. Yeah. At some point, he, he um in the fifth set when Danil broke back the first break, Rafa started to play a little bit looser and miss more shots. Yep. Those. So I was watching that fifth set, and I was thinking to myself, especially in that first service game to serve it out what five two right five two yeah and i think it was like the first two points he might have gone down love 30 i was like oh this is not going to be an easy this is not going to be an easy danil went down no danil went down in the first two points of the okay. game and, and he, then he came back oh, and then he got to break okay. and then rafa got a time violation and then double faulted mm-hmm. okay so yeah there was at one point I forget. Yeah. So if even if Rafa was up and then Danil started coming back, maybe that's what made me think it was that this like Danil's still here. Yeah. Like this is not going to just be okay. Danil is he's maybe tired from playing four finals in a row, which is incredible, an amazing amazing summer circuit. And then he maybe his body's beat up, whatever, but he's still there. He's still right there, where Rafa is just trying to he just wants that 40 yeah. love game he wants to close it out and that's not what he was going to get yeah and daniel actually so he's my player of the year like by far no one no one really i mean all the other players are huge disappointments dominic <laughs> Ugh. get your <laughs> the dis- together the, the disdain on tad's face right now um but daniel exceeded every expectation anyone had for him this year, nobody, oh my God, yeah. nobody w- was expecting. Last year, he was sixty in the world, mm-hmm. and look at where he is now. He's number four. five, or he's four now. Four in the world, it's incredible. And then also, with one of the best, the the best U.S. hardcore season since nineteen ninety five. His his hardcore season was incredible. The only other players who have done what he did were uh, Yvonne Lendl and Andre Agassi. Really, those are the only two other players who've played in the four in four mm-hmm. consecutive finals on the summer U.S. hard yeah. courts and I, or American hard. And courts. I mean, in this day and age now, with the way the players are playing, his road to the final wasn't necessarily easy. Dimitrov, one of his easier matches coming later on. Stan and Dimitrov. So it's it's surprising how easily he beat Stan and and yep. and Dimitrov, especially after him saying like, "I don't want to." I'm probably going to retire after this first yeah. set. That was his attitude. And then he <laughs> then he goes, maybe I'll retire after the second set. It's a good thing he didn't. He eventually ended up getting to the final, obviously. But Well, I, I think you can't retire after you win the set. No, no, no. Well, I think he... Was, was he saying that if he had lost the second, maybe he was going to retire? He was, say, he was saying if he lost the first, he was going to retire. And then he was saying if he lost the second, he was going to retire. But that he killed Stan in that second set. It was, it was like a joke. Or yeah. something, right? And then the, the final set was 6-1. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just like took Stan apart. Yeah. He didn't have the same... It wasn't as easy against Dimitrov, but it was... Again, it was just a ridiculous like it was obvious who was going to win that match as soon as he went out there Mm -hmm. and then i mean diego put up a fight against rafa Rafa. we've we've talked about that he did put up a fight it just barrettini too much too late barrettini played really well i think it was was that a three-set match yeah but barrettini that's another match that people are going to look at the scoreline and say well, Rafa rolled him. I mean, maybe maybe not, but 
It was really in the tiebreaker where Rafa started to kind of pull away from Barantini in those moments. Yeah. But the rest of the match, Barantini was right there. He was getting easy service games, which especially against Rafa, that's going to do you a lot of good. And I think one of those things, I didn't see the first half of the final. I was I was actually playing, but I didn't see the first half of the final. I think Rafa was somewhat struggling with his serve or his serve wasn't doing as well. Against? Danil. Danil. Or Danil was doing more with it. And he did come up with some big returns, especially later Ra- on. Rafa was, Rafa was serving really, really, really well um, all the way through the final until, mm-hmm. in, until probably the fifth set. Okay. He... he I forget exactly what the percentages were, but Daniil was serving very poorly early mm-hmm. on in the first two sets, and he wasn't returning very well either. Mm-hmm. So the return points, Daniil was at 25% points in play in the first two sets around there. Mm-hmm. And then in the, which is really, really low. for Super low. Because he's a, he's a fantastic returner. Actually, he he played, his average for all the matches prior to that was 49%. 49% points in play is insane. No one, nobody was close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, for the year end numbers, the highest is like 37%. I think it's Rafa. Okay. So Danil was getting tons and tons, and Rafa was probably up there too, but Danil was getting tons and tons of points back in, mm-hmm. into play all through the tournament until the first two sets against Rafa, which isn't really like Danil's coming out there unprepared i think he was probably well prepared and and actually the fittest he'd been for the whole tournament against rafa i mean he had all that white powder on his hands and stuff like that so that's gotta you know count spark you up a little bit and give you a little bit of energy but no he went out um he went out and returned poorer i think because rafa was returning better that was serving better than okay. than most of his opponents had been prior to that mm-hmm and he picked that up. He was returning much better, obviously much better in the th- at the second half of the third set where he made that comeback and actually won the set. That was yeah. phenomenal. People don't really realize that Danil didn't come back like once. He came back at least twice in that match. Yeah. He, he tried to come back in the fifth set, but in the third set, he came back from a deficit, mm-hmm. from a breakdown, and won. Yeah, he even made the comment. He said uh, in that third set he was thinking about yeah. what am I going to say in the speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which speech? Which speech to deliver? Yeah. And and then in the in the fourth set, I mean, that's still part of the. I guess that gets that's grandfathered into the first comeback. But no, I mean, <laughs> it, it was the fourth set was again was like a roller coaster set. Really, really incredible. The match um, was definitely just overall one of the biggest ups and downs yeah like emotionally and, especially and, for sorry to cut you off but no, it's okay. like having someone like rafa play especially in the u.s open final such a big fan favorite there were points and there was the crowd was getting a little bit fed up with him as well at certain points because how much time he was taking there was these yeah. big there was these really good points in play and then rafa would take all this time it was kind of a weird pacing match emotionally was up and down medvedev is coming back at some points you think rafa is going to close out in three possibly and then switches it up all of a sudden now we're in this deep five set match i was actually i was on court and then i hear like i'm about to drive home and i go i hear medvedev wins the third yeah okay interesting and by the time i'm i'm home i'm listening to it on the radio by the time i'm home like he's already 
he's won the he's won the fourth, and we're getting yeah. ready for the fifth. And it was kind of interesting to see that complete switch up. I was kind of I didn't watch I guess the first two sets, so it's hard for me maybe to tell. I was kind of surprised that that dip and play from Rafa and then that rise from Medvedev, especially in the fourth. Like generally, you would think that okay, Rafa he had a real good level of sustained play in the first two sets drops the third set especially after a comeback from Medvedev and then in the fourth maybe he gets it together and closes it out here in four well that's kind of what the storyline that I was thinking was going to happen but Medvedev obviously showed us that no no he's he's capable of kind of stopping that normal score line if there is that dip in play or letting Rafa recover I, I don't know what really Danil's like ceiling is on on how on how well he can play but he's a consistent player if he can if he can maximize his like shot making for winners and things like that he hit a ridiculous number of of winners Mm -hmm. in in that final he hit 75 winners um which isn't as much as like rafa versus dominic last year but it's a way more i mean rafa hit 62 winners yeah and these are two players that are you know, more into consistent and long rallies yeah. than Dominic and anyone Dominic plays against because yeah. you're not Dominic's not going to try and hit everything back, you know? Mm-hmm. But so he hit 75 winners in it and some of the winners were just absolutely, totally incredible. Do you see the, 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 his final two points of the, of the, f- of the fourth set? I don't remember them off the top of my head. The ones that stick out in mind is some of those returns he had where he's pulled out wide and hits that backhand angle. He hits backhand yeah. and that was one of the that was the final point, I think, of the fourth set. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the final point of the he fourth the, set. He, just and finding the, these angles from nowhere. And these the, yeah, huge angles. And the point prior to that point, he hit a running forehand passing shot on Rafa. Okay. And it was just like ridiculous that he, he it was ridiculous that he went for that shot rafa was he wrong-footed rafa rafa was running into it mm-hmm. thinking that danil was going to try and pass him the to, other way yeah pass him on his backhand mm-hmm. on it pass him on his um forehand side rafa left-handed yeah but he passed him on his backhand instead okay i think yeah mm-hmm. i might be i might be confusing it right now yeah in my head yeah, he passed him on his forehand side. Yeah. So Rafa was running, sort of cutting through the uh, ad court. Yeah. Try and and Danil passed him on the ad court on, on his on his forehand, mm-hmm. which was like ridiculous with a really loopy but fast forehand that landed within a foot of Rafa. Like yeah. he easily could have gotten the shot if he if he put the ball out for it, but he didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Danil sort of did the same thing a couple a couple of times to Dimitrov where he. He he's such an intelligent player, and he's so good at predicting where the other player is going to move or where the player is going to hit to. And we saw got to see that a bunch of times against Rafa, where Rafa would have an opportunity for like a real floater to take it, mm-hmm. and then he would predict predict correctly where Rafa was going to go with it, even after after he should have been able to. You know where mm-hmm. you sort of see this like standstill chicken from the player yeah and Neil would would faint to one side and then move to the opposite direction yeah and Rafa and then he would get his racket on the ball he wouldn't always get it he I don't even think he got any of it back but he predicted accurately a bunch of times yeah on shots that he shouldn't have been able to that mm-hmm. should have been put away so I'm so excited if he can if he can take more even more risks like if he can play more points the way that he's playing the points 
where he really shouldn't be playing high risk mm-hmm. tennis. If he could play easier points like that, he could take a lead in games that he's just giving away, you know, where he, he plays like a break point against himself, hits a ridiculous backhand winner when there was no reason to go for a shot like that, or, or he should have gone for that shot like four points before three okay. points earlier. He, he plays his best points at the most pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moments. He really does have player. a, he really does have a knack for yeah. the moment. He does have a but knack for that. It's like, why not do why not sort of adjust your peak to try and give yourself a lead and not try to keep yourself in a game and then try and digging yourself and back dig out yourself of the out. Hole. He usually does though. That's that's the incredible thing about it, and that's one of the reasons why it's like you're you always feel like you're about to have a heart attack when you're watching him play because <laughs> he he'll go down and down, and the. Uh, Rafa will have like four break points on him and then Danil will come back and then break and then take the set in six, four, right. Mm -hmm. Without you having any idea how it happened. Just the momentum shift instantly. But that's one of the reasons why he's so exciting. Mm -hmm. I think that if he can play, he might be, you know, nobody's going to be like, Oh, he's the greatest player of all time or anything like that. Not yet. (laughs) But, I think you could t- you I could think, take a little I victory think, lap I think for he's uh, the going to win a slam next year, at least yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I think he could win the Australian and the U.S. Open. That would be if crazy he plays, if he if he's really 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 playing, playing well. well. And I don't only think that I also think that he can win the the year end final this year. It's on hard court again. Yeah, and he played really good hard court tennis. So it'd be fascinating to see. It'd be inc- that would cap off, like you said already. An amazing year from a player who was last year sixty in the world. Yeah, where do you think that? Where do you think that came from? Because remember, we don't see often jumps like that. No, definitely not. not yeah, not from there. Very rare. I don't. I don't. I don't exactly know where where he got that from. I. I don't think that there's like. I, I think that even if you would ask Danil, he'd be like, "I have no idea." He'd be yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I got it from you guys. Yeah, you'd be like, I have no, I have no idea. If you to- if you told me this last year, I wouldn't even want to play tennis anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he might have flipped you off. Yeah, yeah. He said something like that. He was like, yeah, he's he's funny. He's very self deprecating. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like just so Russian, <laughs> the, like sarcastic, self deprecating personality. Yep but really entertaining to watch and like i like absolutely my favorite right now mm-hmm. it'd be hard for anyone to uh eclipse danil yeah for me in your heart in in my yeah in, in my catalog of you know the best right now yeah that's uh i mean that's he's awesome a, he's a freaky 10 but he's like an 11 at tennis <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just it the one thing that blows my mind is that well there's a couple points here unfortunately after watching this final the match that i really want to see and you're the you're the one who kind of put this on my radar especially after watching one of the interviews the match we never got to see at this open which i think is probably going to be the biggest what is it uh like the tease that we didn't get that was the the Roger Danil match Roger Danil, yeah. a rematch of Roger and Danil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's gonna and well, th- there's a couple different things here. 
Novak and Roger are on the same side, and a lot of people are probably thinking Novak, Roger. And obviously, we want to see Novak and Roger play. But Roger, as someone who said that he he is not, he doesn't feel like he doesn't understand the hype, right, behind Danil. Yeah, he he, he it, it wasn't even that he he just he said he didn't understand the game. Yeah, the un, like why players consider struggle. think of struggle so much against Danil. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he understands that Danil hits a really flat ball. But Roger probably has the most experience against players who hit really flat mm-hmm. because of when he began playing yeah. and. And that's I mean, the like people have been progressively hitting more topspin for the last thirty years yep. since the seventies. So, Danil came out and he hits like Borg, and it's <laughs> like on a hard court, and everybody was like, everybody's like, how are we supposed to play against him? But Roger has some some idea of what he's playing, of what he's supposed to do, or you know, Roger played Agassi multiple times. Yeah, so played him in a final. Yeah, it's yeah. not the it's not going to be he he has. M- the most experience and he's going to be the player who's like the most prepared to deal with whatever comes his way. Yeah. Even though Rafa might have a game plan that's more suited to playing against anyone. Roger's probably more ready to play against anyone. Yeah. Um, but Ro- Roger's also more exciting than Rafa to watch. I mean, Ro- Rafa's got a totally dominant game plan. He's just going to be as consistent as possible and spin every ball in. Yeah, he's going to really hang back there. Yeah. I was uh, watching a breakdown um, from Tennis Warrior on Instagram. If uh, For the listeners, that is a really cool Instagram, by the way. He does a lot of cool stuff. He's a coach. Uh, he, was, he was talking about Rafa's game plan, how he has adjusted it slightly. He's become slightly more aggressive over the past couple of years. Uh, but he still is looking for that high percentage ball, especially uses forehand whenever he can. He's, he's looking for his forehand earlier now. So he can dictate a little bit earlier in the points mm-hmm. than he used to, and then he actually pointed out that Danil, uh, even at the level that he's at, can still make some slight stroke improvements. And if he had made those, like if he's already playing at this level, imagine that he's already like the level he's already playing at, and that he's able to even dominate at some points. If he had adjusted this, because like what's his what what can he do now? Like what can he do now if he improves on some slight things that maybe aren't necessarily polished out yet you know what i mean i don't know if it's like i i actually think that danil's strokes are some of the most fun to watch he's not like obviously the prettiest to watch but the most interesting hitter on tour and i don't Mm. know if if tennis warrior is gonna be able to trump like danil's coach in terms of giving him advice that's gonna work but he, I, I mean, it's it's entirely possible because you still have players that yeah. they still make glaring mistakes at the pro level. So they, they they do. But if it's if it's working, then and you're getting that close to beating. Yeah, I'm saying it can be. I'm saying his ceiling before. is even higher than yeah. he thinks. Yeah, I think I think it is too. But I yeah. think that the ceiling is more in um in the way that he he uses his energy during a match, mm-hmm. not so much in his fun, his fundamentals. Yeah. He's a little bit, he's a little bit late in the striking phase. He's like, yeah, he, you, you mean the striking. So, so the ball for his stroke, the way he breaks it down is, is that as the ball gets up into him, he's a little bit late getting into this phase here, which is this striking phase. He doesn't, he does, he goes, he doesn't go under the ball at all. Really? Yeah. That's what, that's, that's one of the reasons why like he, he does if he's going for if the ball comes in really low and he takes mm-hmm. it early, he gets really low yeah. and 
puts as much spin on it as he can, but most of the balls he hits from the, if he's standing back behind the baseline, he, he goes, he goes down on them. He hits a lot yeah. like more like Juan mm-hmm. on it. And Juan still hits with a lot of spin, but Juan will hit Juan hits, um, much less top spin on yeah. his forehand side. Oh, I don't think else. it has anything to do with the top spin. I think he can still stay flat. I think the yeah, actual but, timing of when he's in that phase is what he was talking about. Maybe. Is that he's a little bit, because t- like, so for example here Titsy Pass actually makes a very big glaring error in his serve that nobody's corrected for a well, long time Titsy Pass's serve yeah. yeah so when he lands if you look at where he lands he lands completely rotated to the left which if you look at every other player they land in the court forward so Pass does a whole body spin yeah it's uh probably usually due to toss correction again I, I don't really know this is some stuff that I've heard from like other coaches my coach and stuff that they've noticed They've kind of passed down the whatever it is, the the well to me that I've kind of gotten this information that I look at and I go, that's I mean, that's interesting. Like if they even these guys, they're playing so well at such a high level already. What if they polished out those little tiny bits? I don't I like I, I think that that's true, but but you then you're then you start to form the game around some kind of perfect idea of what a stroke is or what a player is and stuff like that. And I think that there's principles like fundamentals that you should yeah. hit i think that there. so in a stroke the, what i think is that there should be there's like three or let's say there's like if we had to pinpoint if we watched every stroke there's really a couple different important points that have to happen but otherwise in between that as long as you can get to a b c d it doesn't necessarily matter how you get to a b c d but if you can polish out those those checkpoints like those main primary checkpoints and so like the landing on the serve if Tsitsipas does something weird where he's going up, but he's still generating lots of power, but let's say his landing's a little bit funky, but if we can correct his landing and then say he can have better footwork from there, that yeah. checkpoint, if he could clean up that checkpoint, but necessarily not how he gets there is not necessarily as important. Or let's say Danil, let's say his, like the way he sh- like is striking the ball, but let's say he's just a tad late in the strike zone. If he improves that and still hits the ball the exact same way he does, does he improve? That's the question that I have. Yeah. Is like does he just by polishing out that checkpoint? So your your lateness and your earliest your earliness to a ball determine direction, right? That's that's pretty much what. Like if he's if he's take he does take a ball late, but he hits yeah. he hits so randomly towards different corners, different mm-hmm. angles, and sh- mixes up the mm-hmm. depth of the ball so much more than most players do yeah. especially players who are supposedly consistent mm-hmm. baseline ralliers yeah like that's what danil that's if you read about danil it's like oh danil likes to rally from the baseline mm-hmm. when you watch him it does not look like he's rallying from the baseline he's he's hitting these like short sharp angled backhands that he picks up right off the bounce mm-hmm. or he's trying to hit you know a down the line forehand winner that he that he takes really late mm-hmm. and so i think i don't know exactly like i there's there's definitely weaknesses in his game i'm not saying as like an overall like this is the reason he but lost. I, I don't i I'm don't know that... i i understand that but i don't know i don't know if i don't know how many adjustments on the ground strokes players like 
Roger famously made adjustments and mm-hmm. then came back and started with, with like a shorter backswing and things like that. And then came back and started to win again, improved his backhand. And now he's got like the best one handed backhand of all time. Everybody's like, Oh wow. Roger's one handed mm-hmm. backhand is beautiful. Yeah. And he made some, everybody always talks about how he made some kind of adjustments, but I've never, I've never really looked at the player's strokes in enough detail to understand what kinds of things Danil, for example, could change, but his stroke mm-hmm. is so weird in the first place. Yeah. It's hard to know exactly why it's working it might not even necessarily be the stroke it's it might just be like a timing thing yeah it might just be that he can still do what he wants to do maybe if he adjusts this timing a little bit so the issue here is maybe it's not even that like maybe it's not even just on his general rally ball that he wants to hit let's just take the set of points that he's losing right and if we looked at how is he losing these points and let's say if there's some sort of stroke mechanical error that is happening the issue is is that so not let's not even talk about him let's not even talk about him let's say you have a player and they're a little bit late getting into the striking phase due to some mechanical thing possibly timing thing we don't really know if there is some sort of issue there when you speed up the stroke and as things start to get into you then there's going to be more room for error there those are those are going to be more glaring because you have now sped everything up so the amount of power that you lose in certain things, in certain situations, uh, I think the exact example he used was is that if the ball was getting up into Danil, like in here, in this zone right here, right in front of him, if the ball had a little bit, has a little bit more on it and is getting really into him, he really struggles to get it out of this striking phase here. And I, I mean, I'd have to look at the post again, honestly. Yeah. But... That's well, just, did, it's good to use examples of of players yeah. because then you can be more specific about what they're doing. Like I am familiar with the way mm-hmm. he hits it, yeah. But um, you can be more specific than saying a, a hypothetical player, yeah. But well, I'm, I just don't have enough yeah, inf- info, yeah, you know. I, like I know what you mean. Like my my ideas even aren't flushed out. I enough think that that the, the way that Danil him, himself says he wins most of his points is by the opponent hitting errors. Mm-hmm. And the way he loses most of his points is by himself hitting errors. Yeah. So it's it it could be mechanically, but it also could be he's made he's sort of made a gamble. He's gonna mm-hmm. bet that he can outlast people in Possible longer too. rallies. Yeah. And he doesn't. He's not worried so much about putting every sending everything back as fast as it came to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Danil is a player who does a lot of pace pace generation. Mm-hmm. He he more is like direct directional and he redirects mm-hmm. he's he's really a counter puncher mm-hmm. but he's it, so exciting to watch him yeah. play and i'm so excited to see where he can go from here mm-hmm. i mean i can't wait until rafa loses final to Danil, <laughs> which might be at the australian open who knows mm-hmm. if Danil can keep it, it like no no player can keep a streak going forever yeah so we, we have, have an we have an interesting kind of landscape here after the u.s open especially yeah. And I would just want to say, like, obviously, Danil is five million times a better tennis player than I am. The way I'm approaching it from as is like, he's already, he's so good. Like, he's so fucking good, right? <laughs> like, all these players are so good. Like, imagine if, like, they can, they can even be even better, which blows my mind. You know what I mean? Like, they can be even better. Like, the Tsitsipas one is an interesting one to me. Yeah. Cause that seems to be a, Okay, so so if you take the women's game, actually, there is, because the game is a tad slower, I'm not saying I can play at that pace, but uh, compared to the men's game, 
you can get away with a little bit more. So you'll see more funky technical things because they can get away with a little mm-hmm. bit more. They have a little bit more time and it's the ball's not getting on them as fast. Whereas in the men's game, you have less room for error. And if you like, you cut that time down. The Pass one is interesting to me because the way he's landing is over to the left. Now, I actually have to look at this. This is something my, my coach told me where he goes, he look, he was watching me play and he goes, he, he actually called, he goes, you have Pass syndrome. When you yeah. land, you're landing way over and over rotating, which is causing you to use more energy yeah. then to recover. And if a ball's behind, you're going to struggle with that. So that's something that I like. I currently am working on to improve. So what makes me, it makes me wonder, it makes me go, if they're making that kind of error, like one, why are they making that error? It's, it's just interesting to me. And two, how much of a difference will that make if they do correct that error? Maybe it doesn't make a difference. Maybe, maybe in, in their world and it, how it good they are. Maybe it doesn't make that much. Maybe it doesn't make that much. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that mm-hmm. like there's, there's and everything I'm talking about could just be moot. Well, you know? yeah, <laughs> there's like an upset. There's kind of like an obsession with, with players, um, with having, a, having any, and any kind of elite sport that you immediately lean towards, try to make this player as perfect as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way that they're going to win. Mm-hmm. But the thing about, a player like Sitsipas, who yeah. people would say, uh, you know, other than that, they'd be like, "Wow, Sitsipas has got a really beautiful and mm. appealing game." Yeah. You don't really know what a perfect game looks like in tennis. Oh, yeah. People would say, well, like, "Well, Roger Federer has uh, has this mm-hmm. absolutely perfect tennis game," but you don't really you don't really know if he has the best game that's around, yeah. right? Novak is a player that people, a lot of people, don't even think he's really appealing to watch. Mm. because he's so spidery and he goes for all these yeah. open stance balls and things like that. Mm-hmm. But look at his success. He's yeah. totally changed it. And I think that that we, like, w- with technical error, technical or mechanical issues that players have, it's hard to know how much of an effect those mm-hmm. those things are having because the other player has their own mechanical issues. Yeah. Rafa has got a lot of flaws in his game. He his just, serve is specifically one. Yeah. yeah. The one, and this actually brings me back to Medvedev, yeah. which is, as someone who, let's say he has he has weird strokes, right? As someone who, like, in yeah, maybe he could have better strokes, whatever, right? Like, he could have possibly better strokes. But on top of that, whatever, he is a winner. He, he is a competitor and a winner. That's what I also find really interesting, is that even if his strokes aren't the best, he's someone who's able to go out there and still get to the U.S. Open final, bring it back to five sets, and still just beat people. Yeah. Even when he's mentally saying, I don't know... That that to me is even more fascinating as to where like, yeah. oh man, I don't know if I can get through this first set against Stan. I might retire if I lose this set to all of a sudden I win this set. That to me is even more fascinating to where he can just say, oh, maybe I do struggle a little bit. Like maybe he, it's not even on his radar. Like, right. Yeah. Like, let's say it's not like Tsitsipas. Let's say this, the serve example I picked, let's say it's not on his radar. And let's say he did what Medvedev did at this tournament. He can just say, oh yeah, I, I mean, I might have this issue, but. I'm, I'm just going to win. I can just win. Yeah. You know what I mean? That to me is you more work fascinating. work around it. it I, I think so. I think I agree with that. That's totally true. I mean, you'd rather see a player who has lots of issues with the way I personally, I would, I would rather see a player like mm-hmm. Danil getting to the final of something than see a player like, um, and getting to the final of something and having a real controversial trip there and having mm-hmm. really emotional matches, then see a player go out there and just like sweep roll everybody. Everyone, yeah. roll I don't like everyone. that. I don't like that. And that's what that's actually what brings back brings everything back around to like the 
the what people are like always saying the problem in men's tennis you have three players who are so dominant but mm-hmm. it you you have this bind where it's like you don't want them to go because you want the players who are coming up to have to beat those players yeah so you can re- really replace the the champions with you really want to have a cha- you want to have an official change that's why you don't want to have Danil beat Berrettini in three sets which is what would have happened there's no way mm-hmm. Berrettini would have would have won against Danil no, no, no. Like there's, it's just, you don't really, you definitely want to see Rafa in the final. Yeah. Uh, you definitely want to see Roger and Novak in the final. So maybe this anti-aging stuff, maybe it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All the way back to there. I know. We're going back in time now. I know. Just like, just like Rafa, <laughs> Novak, and Roger. After they get their hands in the human growth hormone and diabetes. No, basically what they can do is, you know what they should do is just take a year off so they're not under ATP testing. Say they're retired. Yeah, put themselves under retired, and then just take super aggressive, take super aggressive doses. Maybe come back. Who knows? Maybe they can come back five years younger. (laughs) Maybe they come back at (laughs) twenty. Maybe. (laughs) Would that would that uh that be exciting for you, Ted? I mean, it would be exciting. It would be. I mean, it would be. You would be stuck in this infinite loop. That's what it would be. It would be. (laughs) That's probably the right. Novak looks really young. Look at him. I thought he was retired last year. (laughs) <laughs> Roger famously, re- you read like a headline, 10 years, 10 year anniversary of Roger famously retiring. And then a year later coming back 10 years younger. Yeah. And now oh he's been on gosh. a 10 year streak. <laughs> oh, it's too much. Mm-hmm. But we have a, we can do like a little preview now after talking a little bit about the final and the U S open an amazing U S open, especially, uh, even with some of the weird, like Novak retiring and stuff. And me as a Novak fanboy, that that is unfortunate, but it was still an amazing tournament. Uh, there was the big upset Dimitrov versus uh, Federer. That's a big one, good big for his career to then get destroyed by Medvedev. And then we have Medvedev in the final, obviously, and I do hope to see him do well. That would be he's. We always have these players that seem to get like just a little bit closer than the player that we thought was the next gen before like whoever was knocking on the door like dominic last year at this time the landscape was dominic is going to be yeah the next I mean, one dominic is still like a huge oh no yeah yeah he's still in there yeah i mean he's mm-hmm. been two Fre- two french open yeah. finals dominic's definitely like has clay on yeah that's his right now Danil's mm-hmm. also a great clay court player he you know he hadn't won two two clay court matches prior to this season no, <laughs> isn't that crazy? And then he got to the final of a mm-hmm. he got to the final of a Masters in clay. <laughs> Good year for him. It's ridic- It's totally ridiculous. That's another thing that Danilo is great at. Like yeah. the, it didn't. It doesn't matter what surface it is. Apparently, except mm-hmm. for grass, he's not very good on grass, which is surprising because <laughs> he should be able to hit well on, gla- on grass. Yeah, maybe it's kind of one of those uh, one of those situations where it's like so perfect it shouldn't. It just doesn't work. Yeah, like it could it, be something like that. It's the perfect situation, but it doesn't work. And then, but uh, so moving away from this U.S. Open, we kind of have an interesting landscape. Real quick, we have the year-end finals coming up. And that is the that's the big tournament that everyone's the last for. big yeah. tournament. Everyone's trying to get into that now, or there's not a lot of players that get into it. <laughs> well, there's not. No, I yeah. think that the I think it's pretty it's pretty set. Yeah. Right now, I mean, there's still points up for grab, but like Rafa, Rafa, Roger, Novak, Roger, Danil, Dominic basically guaranteed into it so we're looking at three spots yeah a and then two alts two alternates there's like 10 i think there's 10 who usually go and oh in case someone gets injured yeah 
I think uh, who Gofan got in one year that way. Right? Yeah. Let's see. Well, Nishikori is someone that could get in there potentially. And then he's someone who's been in there several times now. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him there again. Stan, it would be interesting to see him back there as well. Back playing at a high level. Especially Stan might be able to get into it. If he yeah. wins if he wins a big warm up tournament. And he could. He could, depending on how uh like how much how dialed in the players are. There's no this is a weird time of year. I think we talked about this last year. Is moving out of the US Open. This is a weird time of year in the tennis world. Everything is now all of a sudden it's in a, a slight lull just because there's there's no slams to come up. And the big the year end tournament's a big deal, but it, it again it's it's just not a grand slam. No, it's is, not. Yeah. There yeah, so the, I mean really there's a th- there's a couple positions that could be replaced, but it seems like it's pretty set. Stefanos, I'm pretty sure is in it. Okay. Um, and which that Sasha Zverev is still in it. Okay. Oh yeah, Sasha Zverev. So we have more next younger guys coming in. Tsitsipas making it would be interesting, especially after having a poor second half of the uh, second half of the year. Yeah, well, Stefano, really, since, really I, you know since what I the think French Open, Stefanos. I, yeah. st- I still think he's probably one of the most over overrated and overpointed players on tour right now. I think that he's probably more of like a top twenty than well, a top if, ten. Well, if his results we'll after after the Australian Open this year are really an indicator of anything, uh, he wouldn't do very well at the year end final. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah. he could also come back. I mean, Sasha Zverev won the year end final last year. Yeah. After you know another poor Grand Slam mm-hmm. or Slam season for him, he's he, he this is this was the far deepest run he's had at a, at a Slam, yep. so he he deserves mention too. Yeah, he had a he actually had a very good U.S. Open, especially after that almost slip up against Francis Tiafo. Although that was kind of weird, it was that was the legitimate up and down where there it's it wasn't very close. Either way, it was like a six two three six six two four six six two or something like that. Well, he hit like forty five double faults or something. <laughs> Numbers approaching the great Sasha Bublik. Yeah, who did well at this tournament? He uh, well, he didn't do great but until he until he beat. lost uh, to who? Fabiano. Fabiano. Uh, no, he he beat Fabiano. I think he lost to Berrettini. He lost Berrettini. in three. He lost. Yeah. He might have been to Berrettini, and he lost. I remember the match that he lost. He lost in three. Barantini, yes, he did. His yeah. stock is high. No, 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 no. He lost to uh, Andujar. Oh, Pablo Andujar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world. What, what is he ranked right now? Not very high. Yeah. But he he Andujar played. Mm, I gotta see. I'm not positive. He's um he's in, Sasha Bublik is someone that uh, I'm always gonna be watching out for because he's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Andahar in the third round. Yeah. And that's where he went out. That's where he went out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else big that we have to touch on? I don't think we have anything else to t- talk about yeah. at all. I'm going to, you know what? Okay. So I'm going to put a little challenge to myself for this year. Okay. I'm going to try and watch more of the Masters 1000s that come after the US Open. More of these new ones? Yeah. Like uh, what? Oh, China, I mean, Japan, ch- yeah, China. Hong well, Kong, Beijing, Hong Kong, right? Yeah, Beijing. Yeah, it's not. Um, uh, Japan is a five hundred. That's a five hundred. Okay, I'm surprised they don't have a th- a thousand. 
No, well, they don't have a big enough tent. I mean, they might get one now. I, mean, I don't think Osaka. anybody's working for working on that. That's I'm pretty sure that that's where uh, Danil won his first t- ATP title in Japan. Yeah, and he um he it was really funny watching that because his players box is just totally empty. <laughs> there's like there's and there's handwritten signs of the names of reserved seats in his players box. It's no like one's there to see where, to see where he is now. Mm-hmm. Compared to where he was, you know, two years ago. Yeah, incredible run from him. But yeah, so I I always watch the I love the the Asian swing. Yeah, the, you watch the second Asian swing. you watch a, a fair amount more tennis than I do for sure. Yeah. I have to I have to catch up. Oh, it's going to be difficult. It's like a full time. I have all night to watch tennis. <laughs> My favorite time of year is around the Australian Open, so I can get up at four in the morning and watch tennis. Yeah, before work. It's always fun. It's actually, get- better for my schedule than watching it like in the afternoon. I don't like watching it that late at night. Well, I, uh, I, I mean, watch I, it in the morning, so. I like kind of, yeah, watching it early is kind of fun. Yeah. Wimbledon is probably one of my favorite ones. The schedule for Wimbledon is nice. Yeah. French Open is okay too because it's like middle of the day. It's yeah. not that bad. Mm-hmm. I have like very vivid memories of watching the French Open and Wimbledon like kind of earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah, well, we watched the final um, two years ago, I think, together. Maybe two or three years ago. Two years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. We'll have to watch a, we'll watch a couple one thousands, and maybe we'll do some like yeah. recaps after that. That was fun. Sounds we did good. watch uh, Indian Wells. Yes, we that did. was fun. Yeah, we watched Dominic win that. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. All right, everybody. Anything else? Nothing else from me. All right. Thank you, everybody, and have an amazing Masters one thousand swing into the year end finals. We do hope to see you at some point, though. Yes, we'll, we'll see if we can work it out. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.